Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. You're listening to Griefcast with me, Carrie Adloyd. How do we grieve for someone? How does it change and evolve as we get older? My dad died when I was 15 and it took me many, many years to be able to express what I had gone through. So I decided to create Griefcast, a chance to talk, share and laugh about the weirdness of grief and death. But with comedians, so it's not that depressing, I promise. Each time I talk to a different comedian about their own personal experience of grief as we remember someone that they have lost along the way. Whether it was a long time ago or you've just joined the club, this is a chance to talk about the peculiar human process of death. Welcome to Griefcast. Hey Griefsters, I hope you're having an okay week. I feel like it's getting weird now, like I'm some strange uncle that just keeps saying the same thing and not, not changing it. Anyway, I just hope, I hope you're generally okay. Um, there's been some lovely supportive work on the Twitter this week, as there always is. If you do want to get in touch with us on Twitter or Instagram, it's at thegriefcast. Um, lots of people tweet me with queries about how to survive anniversaries or feelings they're having, and I, I just generally retweet them, and generally lots of other griefsters step in with much better, more brilliant advice. So if you are feeling a bit fed up with this week, it's quite a good place to, um, quite a good corner of the internet to be in. Just a reminder, we have some live shows coming up on the 21st of July at 1pm. I will be at Latitude Festival at the Listening Post, which is the podcast tent. I'm going to be joined by some incredible stand-ups, Tez Ilias, Vanessa Hammock and Tom Allen of Baking Fame. Uh, so that's very exciting. Uh, also, the London Podcast Festival, uh, September the 15th at 7 o'clock. Um, it's going to be myself, Tom Parry and Jenny Bede and someone else as well. And I have another one coming up on September 26th uh, in association with St. Thomas's Hospital as well. Um, and uh, tickets haven't gone on sale for that yet, so keep an eye out on the Twitter. Um, but the other two are on sale, so please do come and see us talking about death. It's um, cheerier than it sounds. I just wanted to say as well, thank you so much for your incredible reactions to last week's episode. I really worried that actually people just wouldn't listen because it, it just, if you read the, the blurb, I thought, oh, people might just be put off. But I've had some incredible emails from people. And one of the things I was really, really touched by, by people who are you know in in the club and in the child loss club who were just really grateful to hear Jason and his story and you know obviously it's not a story that's talked about enough so just uh, if you haven't listened yet I you know obviously prepare yourself it is a hard episode but um thank you to everyone who did listen and, and really got something out of it I know that Jason is an incredible human this week I'm talking to comedy writer and actor Barunka O'Shaughnessy Barunka is an all-round incredible comedy renaissance woman. There is nothing that she can't do. Uh, you may recognise her from such shows as Ed Reardon's Week, Katie Brand's Big Ass Show and The Mighty Boosh. She's also an amazing writer and script editor. Uh, she co-wrote Hunderby with Julia Davis. She also co-wrote um, Time Wasters with Daniel Taylor. And uh, she's worked on, oh my God, so, so many shows. Script editors Sally Forever, uh, worked on Bucket uh, with former guest Frog Stone. She's just someone who is extremely talented, to put it that way. An extremely funny lady. 
and she came in to tell me the incredible story uh, of what happened with her father. Welcome to Griefcast. I'm here today with gentleman, scholar and acrobat. As the Rinky Dink Panther. <laughs> Rinky Dink Panther. God, I love that theme tune. Sorry, you took me right back there. Uh, actor, writer, comedian, Barunka O'Shaughnessy. But also, imagine, a scholar as well. Oh, Is that true? In a, in a parallel universe. <laughs> I always universe. fancied myself in a library. Oh, did you? Beavering. Yeah. But then the reality was, uh, I'm just not very good at reading books and processing the information in them. <laughs> I like it when other people tell me. I used to love lectures yeah. when I got up for them. But do you have, maybe I think this comes from being an actor. Like I used to always think, oh, I'd love... To, I'd love to be um, in a run a hotel, and then I was like, no, I'd like to be in a play where I'm in. Yeah. A, I run a hotel, like yeah, make them do pretend yeah. and be like pretend. I, know, I want to yeah. pretend to do that. I don't actually want to sit in a library like with a squ- oh, I see with a quill. Writing. Yeah, no, I would genuinely, but I, yeah, I just couldn't. I don't think I was, I was made for that life. <laughs> I, I yeah, in my in my slightly arrogant head, I go, well, I could have done anything, of course, <laughs> of course, of course. It's just like the a... path I chose, which yeah. chose me. Um, I have to ask you because. I'm sure everyone asks you, where's Barunka from? Barunka is Barunka. a Czech name. That's so nice. The Czech Republic, or Czechoslovakia as it was when I was born. What does born. it mean? <laughs> it means tiny Barbara. Because <laughs> I'm so tiny. It I'm doesn't tiny mean tiny. It means tiny Barbara. It's because they like to, they basically sort of like to diminutize every name. That's they can't amazing. bear a name straight like you would be Karyanka or Karyadinka. Oh, or right, Katinka. yeah. You know, they can't. Like that Russian thing Yeah, in books exactly. It's the same yeah. thing. Yeah, they yeah. don't, they don't. They just can't bear a name straight. And there was a character in an old sort of 19th century novel, uh, which is called The Grandmother, and the main character in there is this granddaughter called Barunka. Barunka. But it's actually just a diminutive of, of Barbara. But you're not, in the Czech Republic, you're not allowed to christen a child Barunka because it's not official. Oh, I see, yeah. But here, because I was born in this country. It's fine. And then the other day I met a Czech woman who sort of laughed in my face. And she yeah. said, I can't call you that. Yeah. That's a child's name. <laughs> I was like, oh, it's my <laughs> that's name. my name. That's why I have a cariad, because cariad means darling. Oh, and it's yeah. like what you say darling is like, one. oh, you're right, cariad. Nostar cariad. It's yeah. like, you don't call people it. It's and not it's, actually a name. No. And it's then, like if you called your child, my darling. Yeah, if I said my darling. I said, my darling oh, I you, I said, my name is sweetheart. And you <laughs> just had to deal with calling me sweetheart. So what else people find it a bit difficult sometimes oh, to say they? my name because it's like, oh God, I don't even know you. I don't even like you. <laughs> like, I'm like, calling you darling. I have to call you Caniad. <laughs> For God's sake, I just met you. <laughs> a man once said to me, I'm not calling you. It's what I call my wife. It's <laughs> like, so, okay. Well, what if your name was Jane and your wife's name was Jane? I know, but I think for some people it means yeah, like, like so my love. So it's like, and it was on a, it was on a um, filming job. So I guess for him it'd be like, can you just stand over there? My love, my <laughs> life, my light, the reason I live. Quick, get what some light on him. He just sort of said, stand over there. Who are you? You, Lloydy. Can you just move over a bit? And I'd be like, yeah, okay. It was just me, so it's easy. But so I understand why some people. Yeah, yeah, I have a problem with the Barunka. But you were born here. Yeah, yeah. But my mother was very homesick at the time, so she gave me the Czechest name she could think of. (laughs) My brother got away with Damien. Oh, he's Damien. So he'd be Damo. (laughs) He could be as English as he wants. (laughs) Which he doesn't because he moved to Sweden. (laughs) Wow. Yeah. So maybe if she'd called you like Jane, you'd be moving. Maybe I would be somewhere. Yeah, but you don't else. need to. Yeah, that's interesting, isn't it? Maybe it gives you a sense of more. It defines identity. you. Yeah, it really does. Like I never, I was never worried about having a, a weird, different name. Obviously, it slightly defined me, and then I kind of, I could, it could have gone one of two ways. I could have been very depressed about being different, or embrace it and yeah. go, oh well, 
I guess if I'm the freak, I'm the freak. Um, anyway, sorry. Brogan, no, you're... Nothing to you... do with death. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's fine. It's quite nice. Quite <laughs> um, so who are we remembering today? Uh, we are remembering, in a strange way, uh, my father. Your dad. And who... what was his name? His name was uh, Seamus Augustine O'Rocknessy. <laughs> What a name. Your family are dealing out good names. This is like, I feel like I'm getting... He changed it to James, I think, quite early on in the day because in the 70s in London, it wasn't that cool to be Irish. Yeah, Not yeah. like now. <laughs> um, yeah, no, you know, anyone in sort of flares and platform boots was sort of liable to be bundled into the back of a Black Mariah in, in question. No, he, uh, yeah, so he changed it to James. So how long ago did he die? He died on the 1st of March, 2015. Okay. And yeah. he died... Just before his 70th birthday, and then my daughter, my only child, was born on the 31st of March. So wow. it was a real one out, one in. Oh my God. Yeah, but the, the strange thing about the situation, and this is why it's kind of, it's sort of a bit different, I think, to sort of grief, but in a very different way, because I hadn't seen him for 37 years, wow. <laughs> basically. And um, so when I was about two, my parents got divorced, and then... He was sort of around, but not really around. And my mother consciously sort of kept him away under under okay. the direction of her mother, who right, was sort yeah. of the, the matriarch who controlled everything from afar, even though she was in she Prague. Was a, she was in Prague. She was, <laughs> she was still managing still, yeah. the family. Not even with a phone, because they didn't even have a phone. That's she impressive could still... controlling, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, incredible. incredible. <laughs> and she sort of swooped over, I think, when I was a baby and kind of really hammered the old <laughs> nail into the coffin of their marriage. It is done. Uh, it's done. It Get is away done. from this. Yeah human this subhuman um so yeah I didn't and I didn't see him also all my life I'd just gone I don't have a father I just don't have a father and so my mother had have... various boyfriends yeah. that came in and out of our lives but no one that I would be attached to and I just yeah. assumed I was like but I don't miss it because I didn't have it do you know yeah, what I mean? is yeah. that one of that's well, those sort of things and uh, did you know where he was did you did well, like you hear from him at Christmas or birthdays or anything <laughs> no never my brother got a few cards and then they sort of tapered off we always had rumours that he was nearby. Oh, and, wow. But we never knew. So my mother never made the effort. She could have done if she'd just sort of... Because social social services, basically, they, they, they sort of... They try and track fathers to make them pay. Yeah, yeah. And if they don't, then you have to sort of live off, off state benefits and all that kind of thing. But my mother never gave them his national insurance number because her mother was saying, keep keep him away, keep him away. Oh, wow. Anyway, so, so you know, she was quite active in her yeah, own yeah. passive way of, of removing him from yeah, our eyes. Yeah, yeah. So I didn't hear anything, didn't hear anything. And then always this conversation would come up with my friends who had very lovely relationships with their fathers who'd go, but why don't you try and find him? (laughs) And I'd always go, but he should be finding me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) And then my brother would sort of, he was much more tentative. He's much more kind of... Is he older or younger? He's he's four years older. So Uh, he had more relationship with him. So he sort of remembers him a bit more. Hence he would get cards of things here and there and sporadic contact and... And then, and my mother would go, oh, I wonder where he is. What does he look like? He had this salt and pepper hair. La, la. You know, so you can't get any sense out of her. Right, okay. You can't get any straight answer. <laughs> the when only time, like, where is he? Yeah, like, what happened? Where is yeah. he? Oh, well, you know. And so then I, <laughs> what, the only time I've ever seen my mother actually process a thought <laughs> and for it to land emotionally yeah. was when I said to her, look, do you remember how much you loved your father? And she did. She absolutely adored him. Yeah. I was like, imagine not having one of those in your life. And just for the first time, she just looked like a tiny, startled child. And it actually landed. But that was the only conversation where I could actually get through in any way. So it was this kind of big yeah. question mark. But because it's not there, it's not there. Yeah, yeah. It's like so you, you don't, don't miss know. it. Yeah, because you don't know it. And then I didn't pursue. And I didn't. And always, you know, with this kind of, I suppose, emotional caveat thinking, well, 
what happens? You know, it's going to be disappointing, of course, because yeah. he's the sort of person who hasn't tried to find you. Yeah, yeah. He's not scaling like the London Eye wearing a Spider-Man <laughs> costume. You know, he's he's opted out. Yeah, you know, he's for he's whatever reason made his choice, and that's fine. And then, so then I got when I was five months pregnant, I got an e- email from my agent <laughs> saying, "There's a solicitor who's been trying to get in touch with you. Shall I just give her your number?" I was like, "Okay, okay. oh shit, yes, what yeah. have I done?" No, but I think I was always. I guess I was always somehow ready on some fundamental level. I was waiting for something like this. Because, as I said, my brother lives in Sweden, so he's sort of uncontactable. And I guess I was the most Googleable of all of them because I have an agent online who has my name under her. Yeah. And also, unusual name. Yeah, sure. So there's only one. It's not like, is that James (laughs) Smith? (laughs) Are you my daughter? It's like, yep, Bronco, shock in the seat. (laughs) That's mine. Yeah. So anyway, so this this woman rang and, um, oh, I rang her. Anyway, I just remember having a proper, like I've only had two panic attacks in my life. And this was one of them where I had to sit down and I was just like, (gasps) because she said, oh, um, yeah, your father's been in touch and he's looking for your brother. (laughs) Oh, amazing. <laughs> Thanks, Dad. He's looking for your brother. Uh, the thing is, he's dying and he wants to leave a small estate. I mean, in the end, it was very small, so I don't get excited about that. <laughs> uh, and I was like, oh, okay, gosh. <clears throat> does, does, he want to, <laughs> does he want to see me at all? Does he want, is he interested oh, in me? Anyway. Um, yeah. My family are classic for that, like the oh, men. It's like, my brother's four years older. And there's always that slightly like, oh, your brother's, we're trying to get hold of him. And also he moved abroad as well. So then sometimes I noticed once he moved abroad, people started calling me. Because it's like, well, she's here, we can get hold of Exactly. Yeah, yeah, and you always yeah. feel a little bit, that younger sister chip is always Definitely, there, isn't it? Yeah, like, the prince. Oh, yes. The prince is away. The prince so is away. So <laughs> to deal with the, sort of the adult. Yeah, the ex, that other one that was in the room at the same time. <laughs> the backup sibling. The spare. I know that feeling. Of like, <laughs> oh, now I'm here, am I? I definitely wasn't here for about twenty years. Okay, fine. Yeah. So then you. So you said, does he want to see me? Well, so then the there were, there were sort of layers of complications. So she obviously she said, oh well, he's he's dying. He hasn't got very long to live, and so he's getting in touch ostensibly for practical reasons to dispose of his estate. Yeah. But obviously, he was you know reaching out you know in a way. And I said, oh, so, you know, does he want to meet up? You know, do, should we get together? And, da, da, da. and she went, mm, well, OK, um, let me get back to him and I'll get back to you. And then she rang me again and she said, oh, I shouldn't do this. I'm a, I'm a legal representative. Oh, God, I hope I don't get her in trouble. But <laughs> she was incredible because she said, the thing is, he's got throat cancer. And wow. he can't speak because he's had a track of He's had his voice box removed. He's, he can't talk. Oh, my God. Uh, and she said, my father died of the same thing. And so I just wanted to let you know that... If you do meet him, he, he, it's quite shocking. And uh, yeah, well, that's uh, amazing. She was amazing, yeah, because yeah. she said I shouldn't say this, but you know, he 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 didn't ask me to convey this, so yeah. this is me adding an extra bit. But I just thought you, you should know all this. And I was like, oh right, okay, fine. But anyway, so we we sort of he wrote me a letter. That was the first step. And bearing in mind, I was five months pregnant, and I was very sort of hormonal emotional mm-hmm, yeah. which was a good thing in the end because yeah. actually i'm not normally it probably made you very a little bit softer plugging yeah. it yeah up yeah going, i don't care i feel nothing but this this meant that i could actually sort of go oh my god oh my god all the feelings all the feelings yeah. and then so he wrote this sort of, i mean i interpreted it as a slightly tragic letter because he was just saying he lives on his own in this flat and he can hear the sound of cricket from the cricket pitch nearby which happens to be in teddington which is where i lived basically all my life until wow. I went to university. We lived two 
stops down the line, down the train line. And he had lived in Teddington the entire time since the divorce. So he'd lived in the same place. Oh my God, so, so he was just around the corner yeah. he didn't know. He was around the corner. I, you know, oh. I'm sure my mother had an inkling, but just sort of fudged it. And so this was one of the ironies of the whole setup where you go, you were so close. You were so close. And for I even so went to long. sixth form college in uh, Richmond College, which is in Twickenham, which is basically about five minutes from where he was living. Wow. So anyway, um, that was one interesting detail. And then eventually we started texting each other because. The problem was that he couldn't speak, so yeah, of course, I couldn't that's really huge. pick up the phone or yeah. anything like that. So we were texting, texting, and and it, and my brother joined in at this point. Of course, now you've done the hard work. In he comes. <laughs> well, he sort of did join in. He wanted to know. Obviously, we just had loads of questions. Yeah. We wanted to know his side of the the whole story, and um, it was it wasn't a million miles from what we we were we had sort of worked out, gleaned between my grandmother's barbed comments yeah. about him. And what a terrible loser he was and uh, a shocking waste of space. I mean, he was, mm. <laughs> all those things. But yeah, he's still your dad, isn't well, exactly. he? Yeah. So that was the sort of disconnection. That was the thing of like, oh, this is my father, right? Okay, I've never... That doesn't mean anything to me. Yeah. Like, this is the person who made me or... Because it, unless you're there, it's yeah. like, what is it? But yeah, so... But still, obviously, it had an emotional impact. And then... Was he... Like, when you were asking these questions, did you get kind of... Did he say sorry? Or did you feel like you got... He never he never went there because it's not a film. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> it's not a Hollywood movie, so we never had. We touched upon it in the texts, but but in the end, no one ever said the thing that they should say or need to say. Yeah, yeah. Ever because it was too. Also because of the type of person he was, anyway, and his story and how he ended up there yeah. without us and all that kind of thing. So, but we did find out really interesting angles on how they met what the real story was, all the timing, and, and, and the fact that he didn't know me as a baby. Yeah. <laughs> it was quite interesting because that's not the story I'd got. I basically got taken off. My my mother took me to Czechoslovakia, as it was then, and basically left me there. Wow. <laughs> Came back with my brother <laughs> to sort out this divorce, you know, that she'd been sort of sent by her yeah, mother. Yeah. Go and sort it out. I'll look after the baby. And so he never actually knew me. So that sort of so that's why he the kind disconnection of been, yeah, was yeah. was probably because he never he never knew me. He might have seen me. He said when I when he did eventually see me again, I cried and said I don't want him, which obviously children do. Yeah, because he yeah. was obviously a bit sort of a little bit of a broken person. He couldn't quite deal with it and go, no, I'm the father. I'm responsible. I will yeah. make you love me <laughs> as you do with your children and when they're so being difficult. It's so hard when there's not that bond because if you've been taken. Yeah, you kept away from him then. Uh, yeah, I was a stranger. I was a stranger. You're both. You're was... both strangers to each other. Yeah, I can. And also, I can completely. Un- I love stuff in the past. Like you completely understand why someone says this is a good idea. I'll take the baby. You go and sort out. Also, it's the '70s, so yeah. actually, travel is incredibly difficult and expensive, especially yeah. to the Eastern Bloc, which is still behind an iron curtain. Yeah, and it's actually quite complicated getting there. Even though legally we were British citizens, we were born here, and in those days you got a passport. If you were born yeah, here. yeah. And my mother was an Irish citizen, bizarrely, because she couldn't get British citizenship. <laughs> So she was Irish uh, and Czech, so she had dual nationality, which even in those days was possible. And so actually the complication and the effort and the expense, and they were very, like, breadline, didn't have any money, obviously. Yeah. So there was no dashing back and forth. Yeah, on the you just easy couldn't jet. do it. It so. was impossible. And yeah. either that way you'd have to get a train, which obviously took about three days. Anyway, it was interesting. It was a... It was as travel should be. It took a while. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and it was an to, effort. Yeah, to mean it. <laughs> yes, yeah. exactly. So if you meant it, you meant it. So anyway, that so that was the main reason we didn't 
ever have a bond, as you say, or a relationship because I just wasn't in his life as a yeah, child. Yeah. And then what did was that, hard Did was that me? help? Did you feel a bit like, oh, that explains why yeah, totally. he wanted to contact my brother, he sent my brother cards. Yeah, yeah, it did, yeah. it did. Because after the initial, like, what the fuck? Yeah. <laughs> what about me? And the baby daughter. Oh, because the other thing that my grandmother had spun, and she was quite an arch manipulator mm. and a total narcissist and a bit of a nightmare. Uh, she basically used to say... She used to make guilt trip me when I was a kid, saying how horrible my father was to my brother because he favoured me because I was a soft baby. So he, she gave the impression that I was like this wow. sort of pampered baby princess. Yeah, yeah. Who had caused a ruction in the relationship between my father and my brother. Oh, my God. So that was my weird guilt that I already had anyway. It was like, yeah. oh, I'm such a... A beloved baby child. <laughs> I ruined With my this. father. Like, yeah. I ruined the relationship. Obviously, then the reality was he had absolutely no clue about me. Or and that was obviously her way of trying to soften. I the don't facts. know what she was doing. You don't know. She yeah. was just being a bitch, basically. I mean, she really was. I mean, she yeah. had her reasons. Sure, you can unpack that. But oh yeah, yeah. Down the line, you know, don't spin that shit to your tiny children to yeah. guilt trip them. But mainly, she was campaigning for us to not miss or want our father. In yeah, our lives. yeah, exactly. To try and be like, no, you, you know, he loved you, but that's you no, know, it's he your wasn't fault. good enough. Anyway, yeah, yeah, he wasn't good enough for anyone. Yeah, because nobody was good enough. Yeah, because she was a massive fucking snob. So yeah, so so eventually, I suggested we meet up because he was dying. Yeah, and in the letter he went, oh, you know, what a shame about your timing. Or rather, no, he said, you've left it a bit late. And I thought, what's he fucking talking about? What? And he meant I, the fact that I was pregnant meant, and I was only five months, like, he wouldn't see the baby, is what he was saying. He wasn't going to be around long enough because he'd been given, whatever, short time to live. And um, anyway, so I went, so we arranged to meet, and I said to my brother, oh, you're going to come over, come over and meet your father. Yeah, yeah. Who you haven't seen for 37 years. Um, He went, yeah, a bit busy at the moment. You know, you know he's dying. You know he might die any minute. Yeah, yeah, I've just got quite a lot on. (laughs) I think he just couldn't handle it. Yeah, I mean, yeah, he's he's not um, he's not not the most emotionally Mm. evolved, and he would happily admit that as well. Like the the feelings are very, very right. So deep down that it was like I'm fine by this, but I'm actually quite busy. Yeah, so I guess I have to miss him dying. Like yeah, yeah. But I think it was terrifying for him. Yeah, Yeah, I mean it was terrifying for me. So I went to meet him. I had to meet him on... So you had uh, to meet him by yourself? Yeah. That's hardcore. Well, my friends offered to come with me, yeah. Tom offered. I went, actually, do you know what? This is not for anyone else. This yeah. is like, this is just got to be me. Yeah, I got if my brother this. were here, great, bonus. Be real nice. To come and help his pregnant sister <laughs> get through it. So I went to meet him and I was, obviously, because I was pregnant, I needed to wee all the time. I went to a pub and sort of sat okay, oh my God, oh my God, I've got to go meet him. Will I recognise him? <laughs> yeah. I've got photos of him, sure. but And then he was on... We were met on Teddington Green, just because it was like a neutral space. Yeah. And it was, uh, when would it have been? It was October, I think. And I recognised immediately because he looked like my brother. He looked like a mini brother. Like wow. he was like a sort of shrunken, slimmer version of my brother. God, it was extraordinary. So weird. And he recognised me because I look a bit like my mum. Wow. Not as glamorous, beautiful <laughs> as her, obviously. Uh, yeah. But how weird to it be like, really... oh, that's my family. Oh, and that's my family. Yeah. And it was like, and pregnant it was just, as well that must yeah, have been so overwhelming yeah so it was but again as I say in a good way because because the shock and the and the whatever it was if it was elation or relief it felt like relief actually in the end when when suddenly this question this unanswered question was answered but I never even knew it it was a question yeah yeah 
I didn't know this person was missing and all this piece of the puzzle was missing. And then yeah. it was, and it was like, I feel relieved. I feel relieved. It's There's so a, weird, isn't it? It's so weird. I know. Like, and that's why I was thinking, poor people who don't fucking know. Yeah. You know, it's such a fundamental thing. Who made you? And, yeah. and to go through life without having that question answered is... Yeah. Is, yeah. Anyway, it felt... Like well, a, you prove like you can. You can absolutely go for like, and it's fine. But when it is answered, there is a part that's yeah, like, there's something oh, that you didn't know. I was... kind of felt like I needed that, maybe yeah. in a way I didn't quite realise. Yeah. And then, so yeah, emotionally, everything was sort of, oh, it was playing out correctly. Yeah. <laughs> I was in a state of sort of high hormonal <laughs> reaction. And when you're pregnant, you're so, you have to be so open, I think. Yeah. You're growing this thing that's pushing yeah, you out, like yeah. literally physically pushing you out. And you have to kind of, all midwives say this, like yeah. you have to open yourself to get this baby out. Like those hips got to yeah. open, everything well, got open. open for me. But, uh, you know. same, same. <laughs> but I felt yeah. emotionally open. Yeah, but you do have, yes. you do sort of, it does put you in yeah. a very weird place yeah. where things are like, yeah, especially if you're someone who's normally like tough and fine. And don't, yeah, don't, I'm all right, actually. I don't need that. Yeah. So, so you see him just walking towards you, and then what happened? Did you just sort of we sit down? a cup of tea in the cafe, tea. and he made a real sort of show of ordering, even though... Oh. And he was wearing a sort of... He looked very smart. I always remember that was one, one of my mother's very useful character descriptions yeah. that she provided, which was, oh, very well-dressed. <laughs> very nice. We used to make these neckerchiefs. <laughs> I mean, you know, that's the kind of detail I got from about him. <laughs> right, okay. Um, and he, yeah, he was very, very smartly turned out and um, was obviously sort of trying to prove that he was <clears throat> capable and... And fine, yeah. And asking for a cup of tea. And then he had to, because it's a, such a weird thing. I mean, I, you cannot Google this stuff enough. Like, obviously, I did try and find out yeah. what is this condition, yeah. what does it do to you? But no one tells you the detail. Like, there are no details about it, mm. probably because it's fucking grim. yeah. So he has no, you know, he, he attracts you. Basically, you can't swallow, you can't breathe. You've got a little pipe in your, yeah. in that bit there, that um, whatever it's called, it, like in the English patient when you go, what's this bit called? It's on the woman's <laughs> neck. Oh, yeah. That you dip, you dip. Under your Adam's apple yeah, like is a where dip. they stick the where pipe you, to breathe through. Yeah, yeah. So you're breathing through a pipe. So when you're drinking tea, for example, and he had a cup of tea, he would drink it and then spit it out. So you get the flavour or you get whatever. Wow whatever's left you know of, of yeah, your taste, taste buds and things yeah. then uh, you get that and you so it's just going through the motions of, of wow. enjoying drink. but you have to keep spitting because obviously you can't swallow your spit so you're constantly spitting oh my god into a cup but he was kind of he was cool about that <laughs> he didn't mind so much that you know i would see it again it's that strange in, intimacy of going this is your like this is my father mm. i'm his child and even though i've never met him before i've I do feel oddly not comfortable because I was shitting myself. I was yeah. so nervous. And also it's quite stressful speaking to someone who can't speak. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yet at the same time, there's a you could tell he could be comfortable doing those things in front of me mm. because he was my father. Yeah, it's weird, isn't it? You're in that land of stranger but not stranger. Like, but really you should odd. by rights you know be someone you walk past on the tube and have not yeah. very awkward yeah, around how but easily that would have that's I always I used to imagine that as a, yeah. especially when I was at college in Richmond College I, I knew vaguely he'd lived in that area so I wondered if I would ever sort of walk past him yeah. or bump into him and I don't know if he ever thought that certainly not about me I'm sure <laughs> probably about my brother <laughs> um, and then that was the only time we touched upon any sense of sort of responsibility and I was sort of babbling on going oh yeah my mother always used to say I should try and find you and he wrote down because he had to write a lot of stuff as well and he went no my responsibility 
So he did take responsibility. He just didn't do anything with it. He didn't have the agency to act yeah, on it. Wow. Um, That's amazing that he wrote that, though. That must have been like quite. <laughs> yeah. I think again, so. like a question answered of like, oh, you did think about it. You did okay. think about it. And I understood. <clears throat> like, I'd always had a sort of, weirdly, I'd had a grasp of his character without ever having met him from what my mother had said. Obviously, from what I gra- my grandmother had said, because I worked out in my teens that she was full of shit. <laughs> <laughs> and that's when we fell out, because we used to be so close. I was going to say, were you really close before We were her? massively, like she yeah. was, you know, because she'd partly raised me, because yeah. I went to live there a few times with her. And, um, you know, she was an incredible mother to a small child. But yeah. as soon as you have any sort of questions, questions, that's it. The, the, yeah. the relationship sort of was scuppered by, oh. by the fact that I went, you're not a good person. <laughs> that's <laughs> not OK. Up, yes, yeah. So, yeah. Um, so, yeah, I had a strange sense of what he would be like and and why he would shirk responsibility and why he was just like a wastrel yeah a life of nothing did you find out what he'd been doing very little wow um he did talk about when he was a carpenter and he helped build the uh pete pete townsend studio (laughs) (laughs) wow but i don't think that lasted very long yeah but i did get to the bottom of it because basically how it then panned out was my brother eventually came over for christmas and we had a slightly sort of sweet but tragic Christmas Eve where he cooked for us and he wow. would always cook for me that was his thing then because I would go and visit him I mean I would drive I had a car then I used to drive from South East London to South West London and visit him on a sort of Saturday or Sunday so almost weekly it did become that but then <clears throat> so going um, from nothing so to from like... nothing yeah because I thought well he's dying and, yeah. and that was very helpful actually the fact that he was dying because I could forgive yeah. him most things it puts a very quick timeline on everything doesn't it it's yeah like, well I, why should I resent you you're going to be dead soon and yeah. you might as well just sort of try and pack in the experiences and I think he was trying to by cooking that was the one thing he could do oh, God, was cook so for sweet. us and he used to make some funny recipes and he I mean God when I went through all these things like I found that his little printout from the library we'd gone to the local library to find a recipe to make for me and you know these and then one of the last times I met him he was going I, I won't be able to make you any more things how did he put it basically this was his gesture was to cook and he cooked um when we went around for Christmas Eve he, he cooked sort of gammon and it was like a real proper British Irish yeah yeah you know good stolid sort of pineapple on there or just no just pineapple that's too fancy exotic oh yeah 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 and he cooked and and he enjoyed serving it up and he took great pleasure in the fact that we ate our food which was there were these sort of little moments of obviously what you would do with a child which yeah. is kind of he was pleased that we finished our meals and said thank you and oh um, been raised properly, politely, yeah, yeah remarkably, <laughs> considering <laughs> the beasts that raised us. Welcome back to Griefcast with Carrie Ad Lloyd. I mean, then the thing we we did find out was that he had this horrible kind of cold upbringing and classic sort of Irish Catholic Christian brothers. He was beaten by nuns at the age of five at school. Oh, God. You know spare the rod and spoil the child yeah and his mother had breast cancer and had to leave the house go off for treatment which bankrupted them so for two years he had no mother and he had these older sisters who were very sweet and a horrible father and you just mm. go oh everything you're telling me is so sort of such a textbook kind yeah. of cold loveless yeah. where is the love how can you possibly show love unless yeah. you know you really sort of turn yourself around and 
meet the right person. He met my mother, unfortunately. <laughs> <laughs> Which is, she's a great, funny, entertaining human, but there's she can't go deep. And yeah. Well, then that's ironic. She's Obviously, very frustrating. They found each other then, isn't it? Both people who were And it was the it. 60s as well. Yeah. I mean, this was the, the really entertaining part of, of hearing his side of things was this... You know, the 60s in London, you go, fuck, you were at the epicentre of fun. And after the the generation after the war, they didn't want to think about real life or reality. And he wanted to get wasted, basically. He moved in with these um, Oxford graduates who introduced him to, like, speed and acid. Oh, my God. And and that was it. He never worked again, basically. Wow. He just got fucked. Obviously, booze, you know, yeah. he's Irish, you can lay off it. Booze and fags, and that's what did for him, clearly, because yeah, he yeah. had throat cancer from smoking. But that was his sort of ethos, was coming from this terribly depressing, love-free environment, mm. limerick, you know, in the 50s. Christian brothers thrashing you. And, as soon, and he knew from day one that God was a load of bullshit and was sort of quite wow. forthright about it, which yeah. doesn't go down well. No, the Christian brothers do <laughs> not brothers. like that. That's a big no-no with them. So, yeah, which is why we were never christened, actually, originally, because he was so sort of anti the whole thing. Wow. Which I'm quite grateful for. Yeah. Um, so I sort of, I guess I gleaned this somehow over the years. So I had a feeling that that's what, what he was about, that he yeah. couldn't take responsibility. And obviously because I saw it in my mother as well, who was yeah. not dissimilar. No work ethic. <laughs> no desire to go out and prove anything. Yeah. Just quite bitter and angry, and God. but quite eloquent. And then, not that I knew because I couldn't speak to him because he couldn't express yeah. himself. He didn't have any friends. He had no, like, no partner and no connection with his family. No, wow. his mother had had kicked him out when he went back with after he divorced my mother. She couldn't deal with it because she's mm. Catholic. She was like the shame, the shame. And he went over to visit her with his sort of long-term girlfriend and she said get out get out so he severed contact with her so that's a trait that i inherited without really (laughs) very good at severing contact with members of my family got the dna yeah (laughs) the severance dna (laughs) um and i said to him well you know like where are your mates sort of thing and he said he just you know once you don't have a voice like he couldn't oh yeah of course he couldn't express himself and i think his social scene was probably probably down a pub you know yeah and as I went through his effects afterwards and found all these sort of these bizarre photographs of people in pubs, you know, in the old days when someone would come in with a disposable camera yeah. and take loads of pissed shots and then you'd sort of give give out some copies. And, yeah. But that was it. That was sort of the catalogue of his life. Wow. Um, and But there was a very bizarre... So when I went... Anyway, fast forward, I went through his phone afterwards and I sort of thought, oh, maybe there'll be some friends there. And there wasn't. There was only one, one person. It was an ex-girlfriend... And I got in touch with her actually after he died, and she was great. She was she had lots of nice things to say about him. So she put a really good angle on it. Yeah, I was like, yeah. I don't know anyone who knew him. God, no one. He had no one in his life. Absolutely no one. And that was the bit when I was pregnant that used to make me like yeah. just sob and sob. And then I and I would go and see him, but it was a real effort. And yeah. I had to do all the talking, and he was getting weaker and weaker. Oh my god. And I would say to my brother, "Oh, please come over, please." And he would like, he didn't want to. I think for him it was a lot more complicated because he had palpable memories and mm. bad memories of when they were splitting up and how angry my father was. And he was, he was an angry person. I think. Yeah, yeah. And then also having come back with your mum to deal with that situation, that must have been, you know, like you said, it's hard that you weren't there, but you were also 
the reason you went there is that people were shielding you from things. So you're in Czechoslovakia, yeah, and your brother's like a four year old, but like you remember stuff when six, you're four, yeah, or six, yeah, six and older because he would go and see him. He carried on sort of trying to see him even after they were divorced, and then it just sort of again it petered out. And then apparently my father heard someone in a pub go, "Oi, oh your your missus got married." Because my mother did get remarried right. for about a year. <laughs> okay. <laughs> and at that point, he just went, right, that's it. That's it. They don't need me. Oh. My son doesn't need me. He's got a new father. And it was from that very sort of childish... Yeah. Mm, you don't want me. I don't want you. And then that was it. There was no... He couldn't... Yeah, couldn't get see the beyond picture. And go, I am the dad. Of course they need me. Like, But this, this ex-girlfriend who I met afterwards, who, um, you know, she's our parents' age, basically, but she's she's quite amazing. She... She said, "Oh, he did. They did used to. He did used to cry about it. Like they'd have these boozy because wow. they were all boozers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They had these boozy nights where he would get upset about it, mainly about not seeing my brother. But he never did. He never acted on it, and he he just couldn't. He was sort of crippled by his sort of stunted yeah. emotional development. Not know. having, yeah, and like you said, not having any experience of it as a child or of love. Yeah, what, what it's like to what is love? and not having a mother that forgives. Yeah. So then there's no. just no forgive. There's no like, a oh, cold, well, we can work through this. Like you've cold, upset me. Mother. Yeah, that's it's so sad, isn't it's a it? Really, yeah, it's such a sort of depressing picture where you go, how is there no light in this in mm. this history? How is that possible that that no one could take pleasure from their children? Yeah, and you know, I've obviously had when when I had a child, I felt quite depressed and and I was down about it and I could see the negatives but you go there's this overriding sense of responsibility that doesn't let you show them that and you have to put a happy face (laughs) even though you're faking it you go and I'd often think can she tell I'm faking it (laughs) because I'm grinning like a loon (laughs) but you go that love you go what is how is that how is it possible not to love a child and to actively send them off to some nuns that are going to beat them i mean to, to be so steered by the culture that, yeah. that you can't let go well, it's and, just that and... thing that generational thing isn't it it's it's so hard sometimes to imagine and i always try and think i always try and think in 20 years time you know and our children turn around and go how the fuck were you why was everyone doing that and mm. you'll be like we just didn't know that was but the it's, bad but thing it, like but it still goes on and it always will it's conformity it's, yeah. it's conformity it's trying to conform and in that struggle to conform you're shitting on your own people basically because yeah. what's more important is is the public image of you from the outside yeah. for strangers what do strangers think and it was on both sides of my family actually yeah. that weirdly it turns out now i know the other side yeah of it there's this yeah this terrible pressure to to appear to be doing the right thing mm. anyway but he didn't and he actively rebelled against that as did my mother really in a way they both ran off to 60s london yeah. and and went crazy. Well, you can see why they found each other and why, for that moment, it yes, was for a moment it was exciting. Yeah, and like they kind of sound like they're coming from similar backgrounds, very and yeah. similar. But they issues, couldn't articulate but, it. Yeah, they're not sort of, I suppose, developed in the sense that we have. We're allowed to talk about these things yeah, now. Yeah. We have a bit more kind of, even if it's pop psychology, it's better than nothing because they had no way of understanding, no way knowing, and unpacking yeah. any of this. Yeah. But anyway, this this girlfriend who. I got in touch with after he died. She told some funny stories. She basically said that he was he was a very entertaining drunk. <laughs> he was like one of those ranting, crazy, yeah. but quite eloquent Irish drunks. Except he didn't sound Irish anymore because yeah, he lived yeah. here for so long. So anyway, that was kind of a little image of what he would have been like. The fun side. But I suspect, you know, as a whole, it wouldn't have been a useful role model. <laughs> 
<laughs> no, well, it's that thing of like the the myriad of relationships that a human being has. Of like, I'm sure if you met him and he's not your dad, you know, you met this man in the pub and he's telling you this hilarious story and he's funny, yeah. he's great, and he's pissed, you walk away from him. But exactly. when that man's your father, it becomes a becomes yeah. that goes from comedy to tragedy, doesn't it? It's like, yeah. oh, that's painful now. So yeah, it's such a different. So you're visiting him. So Christmas. I was visiting him, and and, um, and your brother does eventually. He does eventually turn up. Yeah, um, <laughs> and it's quite spooky because when they meet they are sort of they look so much like each other that must be so weird and um but there's both sort of emotionally repressed people so there's no sort of yeah although i did once embrace my father warmly and then he went ah because throat cancer and i squashed his neck (laughs) i mean he didn't make that sound because he couldn't he went Um, that's quite embarrassing no no, but no one ever talked about those things happen you can hurt people with cancer when you you try and hug them I just couldn't get my head around the cancer as well I was like what is it how does it kill you obviously I asked him that I was quite able to ask that and he he said he didn't really want to know (laughs) some people don't like to think about impending death yeah Um, I did ask and I went with him to a hospital appointment once and um, I drove him there across Richmond Park which was quite beautiful and he had a sort of memory of of because he'd always lived around there obviously and and that was really quite lovely he told me off of speeding um, <laughs> and then we parked up and he gave me some change for the parking meter and I went oh I won't need that much because I didn't realize the appointment was for hours yeah yeah <laughs> and he sort of got got grumpy with me it was a little inkling of how moody and sort of yeah. volatile he could be and then uh, as we were crossing a road someone sort of edged out with their car anyway <laughs> to stick at them and went yeah, yeah. I was like oh okay there it is. there's a man with issues for sure yeah. um, anyway I sat with him and, and went in to see this nurse and it was right at the end where he a terrible thing a throat cancer like it's just this growing it's just growing flesh mm. it's such a weird thing you go why does it hurt why does it why is it so painful it's just cells multiplying and he thought he had a this there's a pipe the um obviously the windpipe needs cleaning out or whatever because yeah. you can't cough as properly as you can when you've got a throat yeah. <laughs> when you've got a pipe instead of a throat and he'd even brought these little sort of this tool and he was asking the consultant to sort of clear it out for him and i realize now what no one was saying was like that's your throat closing up basically wow. that's you, that's your cancer squishing your throat Fuck. and that's why you can't breathe at night and I asked the nurse, and they were all a bit surprised to see me because he'd obviously had all these operations and no with one no one there. coming yeah. with him, no one coming to see him or visit him. And suddenly he's got a daughter. I was like, you know what? Just to, <laughs> wanted to explain. It's not that I was blanking. Yeah, <laughs> I would have come. Whoa, whoa, whoa! If like, I'd been in yeah, life. I did not know about this <laughs> I didn't situation. Do this. Yeah. So I was a bit like, I can't start going into that now. Yeah, but yeah. A little bit of judgment in the oh, eyes of the nurse. Oh, turned up now, have oh, you? Yeah. Oh, right at the last minute to yeah. collect your reward, <laughs> your vast estate. Um, but, uh, yeah, I remember asking the nurse, like, what happens? Like, how does it kill you? And she went, oh, basically, just kind of, it just squashes everything. So, like, your, eventually the blood supply to your brain and your breathing, everything just goes because it's just overgrown mm. with cells. And anyway, so... So that was good to know because I like to know these things. Yeah, no, I think everyone's different. Sometimes you just want to know what the fuck's going on. I did want to know, and he was quite prosaic about it, which was it was pretty admirable. I think, in a way that you obviously have to deny it. Yeah, really, the reality, and you're just constantly taking care of your body, and it's just you know pumping yourself full of opioids and yeah. And I tried to help in a way like practically because he had issues with these opioids, and he had to go and see a pain consultant, and they prescribed him 
oral painkillers. And I was like, he hasn't got a throat. Yeah, like what? He's dying of throat cancer, you yeah. morons. Like these things where you see how people struggle to take care of themselves without any help, yeah. without someone there, a yeah. spokesperson or someone's back them up. Oh, they say that so much. Like, and it's not, it's not that doctors don't listen, but like to not have an advocate, you know, like especially if you can't speak, yeah. you literally can't speak for yourself. And so, but you'd think that was quite obvious that yeah. someone who's got no good. <laughs> can't swallow a pill <laughs> yeah guys think anyway, it through it was a it was so i spent most of my time sort of thinking about that the realities of the, the practicals and and then there was i started sort of dreading going because it was mm. a bind and i was getting more, more and more pregnant and also i had fewer things to say because yeah. we weren't dealing with actual stuff no you weren't sort of having those conversations it anymore. was biographical detail which was always interesting but it was it, it just it sort of ran out, mm. and it became very obvious well, to me anyway that there was there wasn't a bond, that there wasn't anything in common because I didn't know what like I couldn't ask him questions or what he had done or what did he do all those years yeah. and or, or, obviously you could ask him about girlfriends and things and he was forthcoming about that but so yeah it became like this combination the usual combination of guilt yeah <laughs> so I was then feeling incredibly guilty for not going to visit a father who hadn't seen him for 37 years. I mean, they say women can feel good about anything. anything. Yeah, I fucking, I really yeah. went for it. Yeah. And I would feel more well, so you're pregnant anyway, so you were so, you, your head is in a very strange place. I was writing, it was the second series of Underby. Wow. And I was writing that as well, so I was quite busy with that. And then, but it was just this, it was a, it wasn't that I couldn't get there practically, because obviously when you're, when you don't have a child, you're so free. Yeah, you're <laughs> who knew? So free. It was like I didn't want to go. I didn't want to go because I think that's fair enough. And I think people like I mean, I've told this story before, but I remember like the day that he, the day before he died, my mum said we're going to hospice, and I said I didn't want to go because you get to this point when you just like I can't, I can't take. I've got hospital and you, and uh, we've talked before. Like it makes you feel like you're dying, and I imagine when you're pregnant and you, everything is about life and growing. That's quite tricky to kind of like. Yeah, it was marry those things. I think it was if I was scared of anything, it wasn't death. Weirdly, because he didn't, it didn't feel like he was very good at playing it down. You go, it's, it's mm. remarkable when you think he was dying because he he was very independent in that yeah. way. And I suppose what wasn't there, or what I couldn't say, that's what was kind of making me very frustrated and, yeah. and unable to deal with it. Because I was like, what? Why? Why can't I say and ask the things I need to ask? Mm. Why can't we talk about these feelings? And you go, because we we weren't ever yeah. taught, I suppose. We never yeah. had the practice. I can talk about it like this, abstractly. Yeah, of course. But to but the person oh. who it's actually involves, never, yeah. never. And like you said, it's not Hollywood. Like, No, I didn't don't. have any of those. Con- I mean, you know, I was 15, but those conversations that I sort of wish I'd had... It's so hard. It's so hard when someone's dying, like, and that's why we talk. Obviously, the the healthy thing to do is to have this conversation with people who are alive and well. But mm. if you can't do that, you're too young. They're not there. Yeah. Like it's yeah. you know. Then like you said you're faced with death. It's like well, it's the practicals, isn't yeah. it? They take over the yeah. grim business of of keeping of your body functioning. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, just clinging on to life. Actually, mm. it's sort of. And then the only time. Uh, towards the end was when we were set, I, would, I would always go around to his he had this sort of one bedroom flat um, it was a social housing block obviously he'd fallen out with all his neighbours so some issue or other and I went round and he went oh just yeah, I think he knew he was he was quite angry he went just take anything you want get rid of this take it take it get rid of it 
what to do with all this stuff? And I said, oh, I don't, I don't want, I'm not that comfortable talking about it because it means you're dying. Mm. <laughs> I sort of, and I sobbed. And that was the only time I'd sort of shown any wow. emotion about her or anything. And what I did just, he say? And I sort of went, oh God, you're going to, you're dying, you're dying. You know, it's that realisation and it mm. is the, the, how final it all is. And, and, and what was weird was that I thought, I can't, I'm not going to miss you because I don't know you. Oh, God, I would know. miss you as much as I would miss anyone I'd just met who was dying. Mm. In that I, I don't know you, and this is awful for you, but I don't know you. Yeah, yeah. And he just sort of, he was really kind of near the end and he was just sort of, he just went, mm, and then he would, he would fall asleep. And then he texted afterwards going, sorry, I didn't want to upset you. Um, so that was, you know, an acknowledgement. And he kept, he was so aware of me being pregnant. He was yeah. like, you don't have to come, you don't have to come. And he had consciously, he was like, I don't need contact. I don't need people. I don't mm. need people. But, you know, how, on the other side of it, you go, oh, God, I feel terrible. I feel terrible. You haven't got anyone. You haven't got anyone. And also, but like I you remember said being living on, limited, you know. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. But what, so I, but <clears> I remember being living on my own for a long time and being very adamant. That I really enjoyed being on my own, and I sort mm. of did. And looking back now, I go, I'm really grateful for that period <laughs> of freedom. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I sort of thought, actually, you have to respect someone when they're saying to you, "I'm fine on my own." Yeah, yeah. Even if it sounds like a protest, it's it's uh, it's actually that's their decision. Yeah, but yeah. I had to tell myself that because all I felt was terribly sorry for him. Mm. I was like, "This is your life," and then. He went into a hospice because he couldn't. He had trouble breathing, obviously. And then he sort of texted me going. I said, oh, is there anything I can do? And he went, oh, yeah, I, if you could sort out a cleaner for when I get out. And I, mean, I didn't know either. I was like, okay, you know, because yeah. he'd been in a hospice before. Yeah, yeah, because it doesn't, you know, you don't just go to hospices to die. They can provide Sometimes. rest, right? Yeah, yeah. Well, especially if you're on your own, they do yeah, take care. Yeah. And he was very adamant I shouldn't go. Because at this point I was like eight months pregnant. Wow. He was adamant I shouldn't go over and see him. It was out in Epsom or something. And I rang up on a Saturday and said, oh... What's, can I speak to him or not speak to him? Obviously, I can't speak to him. I mean, can I visit? Because that was the other thing. I couldn't mm. ring him, obviously. And I spoke to a nurse and she was like, oh, he said he doesn't want you. He's fine. You know, he's he's under sedation, da da Because he had to be sedated. Because I think when you can't breathe, all you do is yeah, obviously panic yeah. and freak out. Yeah. So then the sort of text stopped. And then I got a call, missed call. I went away with my friend for a weekend <laughs> before I had the baby. And of course, when I went away, I got the call yeah. saying he died. Where um, were you? Were you I was in the Cotswolds. Wow. Having a lovely time. Yeah. Except then I wasn't. Because then I felt incredibly guilty. It's so crazy, isn't it? Because yeah. like you said, you'd only, he'd only just come into your life. Yeah. Like, But I but do it understand. It's like, why didn't I just go and visit him there? I know he said not to. Why didn't I just go? But you've been doing all that visiting as well. So you, your brain wants a break from it. Your brain is trying to, and you, you, like you said, you're trying to respect someone and listen to someone you don't know. You don't know yeah. them, so you can't read, well, I'm going to go anyway, yeah. or they don't mean it, or actually, we'll have a chat and it'll be fine. Like, there's so much stuff to make you go, oh, okay, yeah, I'll, I'll see him next week. And, you yeah. know, like the wise, sort of sensible bit of your brain is like, no, no, that, that sounds reasonable, yeah. And it is totally reasonable not to go yeah. for a weekend. And after you, this man has come out of nowhere. Like, yeah. it's, and that weird thing of, like you said, you meet him and there's this comfortableness because he is your dad, but that doesn't negate those years he wasn't there. Like, mm. that's yeah. huge. But I suppose when you understand, I guess I thought, oh, I understand why you weren't there. I understand what yeah. happened and I know why you're, what, 
I hope I can bring some sort of relief and comfort that is fine, you know. Yeah. I don't think I said, I forgive your father. Yeah. <laughs> Nobody did, but he didn't but, say sorry, I wasn't there. Yeah, and then also surely your presence says that. Like surely Yeah, him, hopefully. Yeah, like you visiting and him sharing his stories is the way that you say I'm sorry. It, yes, he was able to explain something of his yeah. of his sort of biography. Yeah. And um there was a moment when I was leaving and he sort of put my scarf on and, and kind of patted it down and that was probably the sort of that was him. <laughs> that was the the yeah. equivalent of, you know, years of dressing your children for the cold, you know, and, and so in, in a kind of mic- microscopic sort of form. I had a father for five months. <laughs> it's so mad, isn't on it? On and off. Yeah. But I think those moments are really precious. I think like even though it's tiny. Yeah. I think to have that like you said Well, I have a I have a tangible yeah, sense of him. Yeah. And I know what he was about and I get I get him. Yeah. And I get why and everything. So and yeah, of course I don't resent it because you know I, I think there's there are so many reasons. He wasn't mm. doing it to be a dick. I mean, yeah, if he was no. a dick, it's because everyone else had been <laughs> such a dick to him. Yeah. So I can forgive all that really understanding his character but then he was he never lashed out at me you know yeah. there was a one moment when he got a bit he got quite aggressive by text and then obviously realized he'd gone too far and you go that that was the reality he had a temper and mm. he was angry you know he was an angry person so you know in a way we sort of skipped that as well so you get this phone call did you um go to the funeral was there a funeral <laughs> well, like <laughs> this was the thing where Obviously, before he died, he was arranging everything and making sure that we, he had some money that he had no idea where he got it from. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, I was in pieces, probably in a in a really good, healthy way. As yeah. in, I cried because this person had died, a mm. person had died, and their life was over. And I was very sad about it. And I sort of sat sat in a very beautiful <laughs> garden in the Cotswolds and and had a weep. But my friend, my oldest friend, one of my oldest friends was with me, but I couldn't talk to her about it. Mm. I just couldn't. I just can't. Well, I mean, I can now. <laughs> but at the time when I was feeling it, I couldn't. Yeah. Well, it's a lot. It's a lot. It's massive. Like, I can understand that's going to take some years to get your yeah. head around what the fuck just happened to me. Like, yeah. he wasn't there. Suddenly I was absolutely part of his life, going to hospital appointments, yeah. having these moments, and now he's gone. Like, that's... And then I went yeah. to... I had to go and do... Obviously, my brother was busy, so... <laughs> Listen, I get it, Damo, it's fine. <laughs> I'm fine with it now. Uh, I drove over, well, oh, I suppose I was nine months pregnant by this point. God. Or whatever, you know, very heavily pregnant. Um, but, you know, quite mobile. I didn't yeah. have a bad pregnancy, so it wasn't, it was okay. And um, I drove over to Epsom, to the hospice, because I had to do the, the paperwork, because no matter how much you try and sort out before you die, oh, yeah, there's, there's still shit stuff, to do. Yeah. And you have to go and say this person is dead you have to register them yeah. register them as dead and I went and I said oh and they all looked at me the nurses were terrified oh god yeah she's gonna I pop gonna drop. she's gonna fucking pop and we're not like and he'd a hospice. obviously said this to them as well he was like she can't come she can't come she's so yeah. pregnant she can't come and I went so um you know can I have a look <laughs> and they hadn't expected me to want wow. to see him and I thought I have to yeah, I have yeah. to yeah I need to see him because you don't believe it, do you? No, and they say like that's one of the best things you can do is see the body because it just like fundamentally your brain goes, okay, dead. And if you don't, there's some part of you that's like, "Eh, are they? Yeah. Especially, I guess, for you because he he hadn't been present anyway. Yeah, so it's like, oh, he's just not here again. It could have been like a very bizarre dream. And they said, oh, uh, okay. And they'd already put him down in cold storage, obviously, and and they had to to get him out. So I went off um, for a walk and then came back and 
and so sweet. They laid him out and and put a sort of flower next to his head, and I went in and 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 they'd obviously lower the lights, don't they? I mean, they, it's incredible how much effort they go yeah. to for a mad pregnant woman. Um, <laughs> And the nurse was there, and she went, "Oh, do you want me to leave you?" I was like, "No, no, no please, God!" No. I, was, I was like, "Don't go away! I don't leave me with a dead person." <laughs> Jesus Christ! I want to see him, but I, I want to be alone. alone. Fuck it, yeah, I'm not mental. Are you kidding me? <laughs> oh my hand! What the hell am I doing? That's so funny. It was Brooke. pretty fucking spooky. Of course. I mean, yeah. it did look. I mean, it's such a cliche. It looked like he was having a little snooze. Mm. It did look like he was sleeping. I don't know if they'd put makeup on him or something. I don't think so. But he was just, the lights were lowered and he just looked like he was asleep. And I did touch him and he was, he wasn't, he didn't feel cold. He felt quite sort of soft and bristly. Because I think when your skin sinks in, your sort of yeah. bristles pop through, don't oh. they, if you're a man. And and he just, yeah, he just felt sort of soft and, and asleep. And um, yeah, I was just like, wow, someone I don't know and, and they're gone. And I did cry then and the nurse <laughs> She going, oh fucking oh, hell! God. She wanted oh. me to stay, but now she's crying. Should I help her? Not help? Yeah. I don't know whether their training is to she's remain entirely neutral. Yeah. I don't know. They're normally quite good. The old hospice. Nurses. I think they just didn't know what to make of me because yeah. they, they knew him from before, and they were obviously again thinking, "Where have you popped up yeah, from? Who are Why you? weren't you here yeah. before?" Anyway, so then I, so I said, I took a picture. <laughs> Why not? Why not? I thought it's one of those things I really would regret not taking. <laughs> So he's on my photo stream. Oh my god! That's the only picture I have of him. Wow! Because weirdly, all those times I went to see him, we didn't take take a picture. I didn't take a picture. Yeah. It felt really weird to ask, "Can I have a picture, please?" Yeah. With you, dying man. Yeah. Or of all of us together, or anything like that. I just didn't. It just felt really odd, an odd imposition. Mm. And of that generation, he didn't have a camera. He didn't have a camera phone. No. Or maybe he did, but he didn't use it. Anyway, so then I had a picture, and then I went to the. You have to do the admin thing and say this person is dead. Always people looking at me going, oh, fucking hell, she's so pregnant. <laughs> please <laughs> please don't give birth while you register this death. We, d- we don't want a Hollywood film, please. And then I and then obviously we had to clear out his flat. And it was only a small flat. And I said to my brother, do you want to come, <laughs> do you want to come and help? <laughs> oh, God, I tell you what, bad timing. It's just this weekend. It's really tough. So, nine months pregnant. Oh, my God, you did I it by yourself. cleared out his flat. Obviously, my t- partner, Tom. He came along, he helped. Um, he was very useful because he obviously can carry heavy yeah. things. The British Heart Foundation came and took some stuff away. And I went through all these effects. And I mean, that was pretty fucking devastating. You go, this is, this is, what, you, some, this is what you amount to. Mm. This is your life, your life. In, and like me, he's quite, he was quite anally retentive about keeping records and things filed. So he had all his sort of letters and hospital appointments and all this kind of stuff. So from that, I kind of gleaned a... A sort of mini biography yeah, of, a, sort of wow. filling in the gaps by sort of pouring through all this stuff. God, that must have been so emotional. And, and you're like yeah, about yeah. to pop so at I any was, minute. Yeah, that was pretty. And that was my due date. It was basically my due date. Oh when all this my was God, <laughs> fucking hell! And um, and I was yeah, but everyone was very kind of obviously people are kind. And then the guys from the social social housing came along and sort of again looked at me and went, oh, Jesus <laughs> everyone just like, because yeah. I thought, look about thought, why is everyone acting so weird? <laughs> you go, because yeah. there's a mad pregnant woman going, so my father's died. Um, what do I sign? Or is everything yeah. okay? Do I have to pay for any sort people of just water really, bills? Yeah, really panic at the sight of a very pregnant woman. Like that's yeah. I'm sure why in the old days they were ushered away. Yeah, yeah. Because it's like it's so frightening. <laughs> it's like, oh god, you're so she... leaky and yeah. incontinent, What's and gonna you're going to burst all over the place. Yeah. Um, anyway, I didn't 
But the best bit was that my father, he was so sort of <clears throat> prosaic and there is no afterlife, there is nothing, we are nothing. <laughs> kind of taken to its extreme. I spoke to the undertakers, he'd arranged all that. And I said, um, I said, oh, okay, well, I don't know what his plans were or anything. And the undertaker went, oh, well, he's written here, put me in a box and burn me. <laughs> Um, he's a man oh. after my own heart. And this is from the funeral director. Because oh he's like, God. we are just bodies. Like, pff, I don't know why people make such a fuss. Like, because he's obviously processed so many wow. bodies. Yeah, he's like, done with it. Come on. Come on, guys. So what? put me in a box and burn me was his, was his instruction. That is an incredible thing to write down. Yeah. And also it's quite funny. It is funny. I think he was funny. a funny man. Yeah, and especially like you being a very funny person. That's quite a funny thing to write down. Yeah. That I sort of think there's a sense, there's definitely... I think there's a sense of awareness that someone's going to read that out and think, oh, okay. Yeah. No, definitely there's an audience. Yeah, there's an yeah. audience for that statement, isn't there? Yeah. yeah. I think when he was, you know, on his sort of pissed tirades, there yeah. was always an audience and yeah. I think he enjoyed that. So, yeah, put me in a box and burn me. So no funeral, no nothing. So nothing. No readings, nothing. And But what he hadn't thought of was what to do with, with the ashes. Such. Yeah, yeah. He'd failed to... Failed to account for that. for that. No. Yeah. Chuck me in the sea. Forget me. So I've still got them. You still got them. They're yeah. sitting in a cupboard next to the boiler. <laughs> My dad was in the wardrobe for 10 years. Was he? 10 yeah. Years. Yeah, 10 years. Did he not say what he wanted to? He said something. My mum said, oh, I didn't believe him. <laughs> he said a few things, kept changing his mind. Because he was very like, I'm not dying, so why are we talking about it? Yeah, so then he was yeah. like, oh, just take me here or take me there. And then eventually, I think we were like, oh, okay, probably go and scatter them in Wales. That's probably a nice thing to do. That's where he was from. Seems, yeah. seems reasonable. Yeah. But yeah, for a long time, he was in the in my mum's wardrobe. Well, I thought I'd keep him there for like, keep him on, on hand for like maybe the 37 years I didn't see him. <laughs> and once that's squared, then it's time, <laughs> time to go. It's like he's catching up. That's hilarious. For all the missed moments. Yeah, tough shit, mate. You weren't around and now you're going to be. Keep you in the boiler, you're warm. Yeah, you're warm he's and warm cozy. cozy. But you're going to be part of this family now. That's hilarious, Veronica. Why not? So my brother did come with me to pick up the ashes eventually because it took me about a month. Actually, no, it took me longer, didn't it? Because I had, oh, a, just baby. had a baby. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, So lazy, Veronica. Honestly, get <laughs> off that bed. That pick up your uterus and your umbilical cord and well, get the ashes. Uh, I remember I said that to the funeral director. I was like, oh, the thing is, I, I am... I'm due to have a baby any minute, so I might be a while before I put them up. He went, ah, take your time. <laughs> Please don't well, come in here right. again with your yes. massive bump that scares me. Wow. So then you and your brother went to pick... How was that when you went to pick them up? Did it feel, Or did it just feel like, well, that's what we're doing? Well, it was in the car and, and that car that I'd driven my father in and that was yeah. the... He'd left a note afterwards. To, he'd written a note to me. This was that, that hospital appointment that I took him on and he went, this is like... He said something along the lines of this is like the closest we've got to being father and daughter yeah. like it felt like a proper father daughter day with me driving him to hospital him oh. telling me off yeah. for not listening to him about the parking meter <laughs> um and that was sort of that was so that car meant a lot actually that that was the car that I sort of wheeled him around in and and then I went to pick him up in, in his ashes car, and yeah. um the car I mean, then died on the side of the M27 when Maud was a tiny baby. <laughs> that was quite traumatic. Of course it is. So that car's gone. But um, yeah, so I went with my brother and he's, again, he's sort of, you don't know what he's thinking or feeling. He's he's not allowed to have thoughts or feelings because, mm. you know, that, that gets you hurt. So what was interesting was that the, the funeral director who was, who was in, in the um, 
parlor are they still oh, called parlors yeah, these days that bit yeah in the parlor no she was just in the shop yeah in the death shop <laughs> yeah and the, she said it was interesting we got talking and, and she hadn't spoken to her mother for god knows how many years because i wasn't speaking to my mother at this time right. as well and and we had this it was an interesting sort of bonding kind of parents what are parents yeah, you know, yeah who are these people that made you but you have no actual connection or, yeah. or kinship with really and your friends and your loved ones that you make the family you make is is much more what it's about um, yeah but there was a thing where I that was all right I suppose by then because I had more I'd had a baby and, yeah. and in a way that totally sort of negates whatever sort of feelings of woe and despair that actually you go it was sort of the best timing to lose a parent yeah. even if you didn't know them was when you're about to have a baby <laughs> yeah I, I remember there was a bit when I when I had when I went into labour at the early stages which I thought were serious contractions which actually turned out just you haven't got a fucking clue yeah back. yeah exactly and I remember walking around the park in the rain so I had to walk I had to walk and I was sort of bending over and it was agony and I all and then I started crying and it wasn't the pain it was just I thought oh but this pain is this is pain for I'm having a baby and mm. my father had this pain and it was just the end of life pain yeah. and his pain was for nothing and he went through this agony and I think that was the last time I sort of wept for him because after that I was just then weeping for myself because yeah. I just had a baby and it was overwhelming fucking overwhelming and painful in a lot of different places so I cried for him and I I think that was the healthiest part of the whole story was that I could cry then and I could feel it and I could properly yeah. process it and and go that was it that was my father and then but then it did sort of it does carry on because I met up with his ex-girlfriend. Oh, wow. And she was brilliant and entertaining. I think if my father had been less sort of self-loathing, she would have been a good partner for yeah. the rest of his life. Because she likes to drink as well. <laughs> <laughs> but that's like booze buddies. Booze buddy. And but then like... she said he went on and had another girlfriend who was like really violent and abusive. Oh, God. Who I think burnt most of his stuff. Like he didn't have any photos or anything like that. Wow. Certainly not of us from yeah. when we were babies. And I gave him a pile of baby photos once. And he sort of went, oh, and he didn't really look at them. And then I think he had looked at them, because when I went through all these things, I opened his um, diary, which obviously had no appointments in it, apart from hospital appointments, because he had no friend. There was a picture of my mother from when they'd been together. So wow. he kept that one from the pile of photos I'd given him. Unless it's... he just had it. But it was, you know, it was my mother when she was, when they'd met. and yeah. She was sort of very glamorous and beautiful, and I think he really did love her, or he tried to. Yeah. And he tried to make it work, but he was, she was chaotic, and he was yeah. angry and couldn't Didn't have process a, anything. Yeah, and yeah. So it's kind of the bit that makes me f feel so sorry for him, or for them, or for us even. It's just this kind of. It would have been so easy to find love for each other. But they just didn't know how, you know. Yeah. Sorry. No, it's and right. that's the thing that, that made me saddest, was, uh, you know, the, the love that he should have and could have found for his children that might have helped him and, and sort of enriched his life. Not that I'm saying we're amazing, but yeah, yeah. he couldn't, he didn't have the capacity. And how that is sort of, obviously it's very common and the source of most hate and pain in the world is the mm. fact that people just cannot, connect and make that connection and enjoy feeling happy good feelings because they're terrified I guess or they're not allowed they're not allowed to 
So there you go. That was, yeah, that was a very bizarre experience of the loss of my father. That's incredible, Bronco. The finding and the loss. That is... In the space of five months. Like, you say it's not a Hollywood film, but it, it definitely feels like a, a British gritty film. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like, yeah, <laughs> like, there are no... It hasn't got the Hollywood ending. touches, but there's definitely, like, you've when you've walked out of cinema, you're like, oh, I was really good, but, like, I feel quite, like... I feel quite drained. <laughs> yeah, I feel quite drained. <laughs> but I enjoy... I did think it was a good story, but, like, oh, yeah, because it just fucking hell. What... I think it's amazing. I think it's amazing that you that you guys found each other, that he did eventually reach out. Yeah. And that you were emotionally evolved enough to go, okay, I'm going to take your hand because it's outstretched and I'm going to be yeah, there yeah. for you in this, whatever capacity, no, not Hollywood father and daughter, but in the true sense of the complicated nature of parents and children yeah. and what it, what it feels like and just have those moments without judgment. And I think he's, you know, he's what, you know, a credit, well... A credit to you, really, and whoever, like you said, these people that made you. I think your mum and dad are quite lucky that you've turned out the way you have. <laughs> that you were so, able yeah. to walk into that situation and go, yeah, all right, I'll be here. I'll be here for you. Because that must, he must have wanted that somehow. Yeah, I think so. He reached I think out. he was grateful. Yeah. I mean, it's sad that my brother couldn't do the same because I think that's what really yeah. what he was really after <laughs> and I'm, I'm I've squared my you know I don't mind that but I understand it's like it. people go looking for things and then you don't you don't always get what you expect but that doesn't mean it's shit do you know what I mean oh, you like, know, yeah you know oh, sorry I just remembered another thing when when there was a story from when my brother was a kid and and my father had sort of trampled his model airplane you know in some fit of anger and it was like it was a, a story my grandmother loved it, mm. <laughs> obviously because it painted him in a terrible light and he for Christmas he he asked me to help him order a gift for my brother, which was a model aeroplane. Oh, my God. So he, was, he never said why. He just said, oh, I want to get him this. I was like, I don't think, you know, he's, he's 46. He's past that, but cool, you're dying, whatever. <laughs> what you think? But so like you said, how he'd, kept, he'd obviously kept that pain. He knew, yeah, he knew boxed. he'd done a bad thing. Yeah. And he had the guilt because obviously he's a Catholic originally, yeah. whether he wanted to be or not. So yeah, there were these little moments where you go, where I totally got it. I knew, and I knew why it all happened that way. But it was still really quite uh, sad to have have um, never sort of got the opportunity to explore it. Yeah, before. longer and more. But in a way, also ideal because you go in that <coughs> pocket where you forgive so much because somebody's yeah. dying. So there was no baggage or resentment. Mm. It was just about this dying man and trying to make things okay. So yeah, I just think it's a really incredible. <laughs> and then I had a baby. <laughs> and then you had a baby. <laughs> and then you had a baby. Well, thank you so much. <laughs> thank you very to much. About Seamus Augustus, Augustine, 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 named after the horrific church father that told us women are all blood and shit and <laughs> horrors of menstruation, and unworthy. So Amazing. nice to be named after him. <laughs> Lovely. Well, like yeah, thank you so much. Thank you very much. You can't follow Bronca on social media because she's one of those cool people who is not on it. Congratulations, Bronca. Um, but you can watch Time Wasters, uh, the ITV2 show that she co-wrote, and you can watch just IMDb her, guys, and see all the amazing things she's worked on and just work through the back catalogue. Uh, you can follow us on Twitter and Instagram at The Griefcast. The show was edited by Kate Holland with thanks to Whistledown Studios. The music was provided by the Glue Ensemble. And remember, you are not alone.
mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.